Raising the praise means that we give him praise every day. This is the day the Lord has made. We will what? Rejoice. Rejoice and be glad in it. That's our role. That's our purpose. We're going to give God glory, the honor due his name, in this day that he has made. We're preaching on Raise the Praise, and I'm in that section that we are taking some events in the scriptures around which praise is woven and built. And today, I want to read a song that Moses and the children of Israel sang after they were rescued from Egypt, having gone through the Red Sea. It is the primary event of rescue in the Old Covenant. It is one of those core memories of the Hebrew people. Hebrew itself, some people speculate, means to cross over. Used to describe Abraham who crossed over the Euphrates. Used to the people of God who crossed over the Red Sea into the promised land. And used of us who cross over from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of the beloved Son, Jesus. We also are Hebrews in that we have crossed over. It is a core memory for the people of God, this crossing over. In fact, they are instructed to remember it. You will remember this day. You will pass on the account of it to your children and the generations that are to come. And everybody in Israel will embrace this as their story. We went to see Inside Out with the granddaughters who are just the right age to see Inside Out. And it was a delightful movie about what's going on sort of on the inside as we live outwardly. And it had the emotions personified in these characters that were animated. And one of the things that happened in the brain of this child is that the child stored core memories. And the core memories defined the personality of the child. And it was a big thing for a core memory to be made. Well, core memories belong not only to individuals, but also to peoples, to tribes and nations. And here we have a core memory shared by the people of God on purpose, passed down, a memory that defined them, that made them the people they are. The Jews have another core memory in our day. It is the memory of the Holocaust. And when you go through the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C., and you exit, you are given a pin with the Hebrew word zakar on it. And it means remember. 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 Exodus 15 Chapter 1, then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he is hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. 
He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise Him. My Father's God, and I will exalt Him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is His name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army, he is hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood up like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue. I will overtake them. I will divide the spoils. I will gorge myself on them. I will draw my sword, and my hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath, and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Join me in reading verse 11 to the end. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? You stretched out your right hand and the earth swallows your enemies. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. A great climax to a wonderful song of deliverance. A core memory for the people of God. And in this song, there are four movements that I want you to pick up on. Four dimensions to the praise about this great deliverance that you can incorporate into your own praise to God. All of us need a plan. All right? And here's a plan. Here's an idea. Four things you can say to God as you give him praise. First, you can describe your adversary, which this psalm does in a surprising way. A good bit of the song is about the adversary describing Pharaoh and the Egyptian army and what they intended to do to the people of God. Sometimes you need to name your enemy. We may be afraid to name our adversary. We are afraid that if we name it, if we say the name out loud of the thing that troubles us most, that comes against our soul, if we give it a name, it feels like giving it more power in our lives. And so sometimes we pretend like we're not fighting this great enemy, this adversity, this terrible temptation, this struggle within. We don't want to name it. We're afraid it will give it power. But the opposite is true. The opposite is true. You can't really praise God for all that he's done for you in the conflict of your life until you are willing to acknowledge the real struggle that is yours. Until you name your adversary. Now, Pharaoh's got a name. 
And Egypt has a name. And it's named here in the psalm. But we know that the exodus of people from Egypt into the land of promise is in the New Testament a metaphor for our exit from the place where we are mired down in sin to the spiritual blessings that God gives. That in the old covenant, you had this geopolitical promise of the land of Canaan. And in the new covenant, you have the Messiah who transcends every geopolitical entity on planet earth, whose kingdom is not of this world, who goes way beyond that who teaches us, and now we understand better than ever before, that our life does not consist of the things which we possess and that the blessings God wants to deliver to us are spiritual ultimately in nature. That all the other stuff we try to accumulate is so that we might have peace and joy and love in our lives and these things are the precious treasures delivered to us in the promised land of faith and hope in Christ Jesus our Messiah he is the one who gives us these as these spiritual blessings are the inheritance we possess. So the battle we wage is not really against flesh and blood anymore. It's not a flesh and blood Goliath or the Philistine army. But we wrestle against spiritual wickedness in high places, principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world. Our real struggle is against spiritual enemies within, in the mind and in the heart. And we are well advised to give them a name, to describe the adversary. So what is it? What is it that pulls you down, that tears you up, that feels self-destructive in you? and destructive of the most important relationships in your life, can you name it? Do you have the courage to put it in your song? The deliverance God brings to you is seen in all its greatness when you know the contrast between where you are now in Him and where you once were in the bondage. Describe your adversary. That's number one. That's part of this song. And the second one is declare who you are. This ought to be part of your praise. He is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. I read that over and over and over and over until I realized that the singer, though he was confessing something wonderful about God, and it is a great truth that I find great strength in when I'm in trouble. When the adversary comes on me, the sovereignty of God ministers to my heart like no other doctrine in the Bible. I come before him when I am confused, when I am beset, when I am frustrated, when I don't know what the future holds. 
when it feels uncertain and I find in the sovereignty of God the strong place where I can stand and the ground does not move beneath me. He is the sovereign God. He reigns over all. He knows the end from the beginning. Here I stand. But I look in the mirror and even as I declare the sovereignty of God, I am also declaring something about myself. I have a friend, Randall O'Brien. His sister Faye is here with us today. And he posted. He's a great humorist, is he not, Faye? He's a funny man. He posted on his Facebook this week, quote, saw a pitiful old man this morning, hungry, stooped, shriveled, wrinkled, sunken eyes staring into mine. I finished shaving fast as I could. (laughs) Hey, they don't make mirrors like they used to. (laughs) How would you describe yourself? How would you declare who you are? Where is the source and center of your identity as a human being on this planet? It's very important. It's very important. See, when the singer says, he is my God and I will praise him, my father's God and I will exalt him, Although he is saying something about God, he's even more saying something about himself. He's saying that in God, I know who I am. I discover my identity in my connection to God. We are Jesus people here at First Baptist. We say this often. We're seeking to honor Jesus Christ in what we say and what we do. We believe that he died on the cross and rose again on the third day. And we are seeking to live in the light of the resurrection. We are seeking to understand ourselves in the confession, Jesus is Lord. That this is our true identity. We identify with him. And it is our deepest identity on the planet. Yes, we have families, we have tribes, and we have tongues. We have cultures. But more than that, we have Jesus, who calls us beyond all other allegiances to be his and his alone. And this allegiance is, among all the others, this allegiance is without condition, without Apology, without compromise, without escape, we are His. He is Lord. It's very important how you understand yourself, your identity. When you look in the mirror, who do you see? When you are in trouble and adversity knocks on your door, you've got to determine who you are. Are you alone in this battle? Is it all about your wits, your strength, your ability to resist temptation? Are you isolated? Are you weak? Are you the kind of person who is overcome and defeated? 
by adversity? Isn't it interesting how adversity shapes us and makes us who we are? We wouldn't be the same if we hadn't gone through those struggles. But it's not really the adversity itself who shapes our personality and makes us who we are. It's our response to the adversity. Some people are destroyed by the thing that makes the other person stronger. It's how you respond. It's what you say when trouble comes on you. And the point of praise is to say, God, you are my God. You are my Father's God. I will exalt you. I will praise you. That's who I am. Declare who you are at the moment of your need. You declare who you are to remind yourself of the truth when others are putting you down and threatening you, when you are under fire and attack, when you've been insulted and falsely maligned. You say to yourself, I know who I am, and I am in Christ. You declare who you are so that your friends and family will know that you have not lost your way in the midst of your pain. That your pain has not drawn you away from your faith in Christ. You declare who you are so your family and friends will know where you stand. You declare who you are so that God will hear and see and be pleased with your continuing faith. See, God wants to hear your song. And it's great to sing on the shores of the Red Sea when all your enemies have been drowned. And it's also great to sing his praises when you are locked in the dungeon and it is midnight and the song bursts out of your soul. God wants to hear you sing when the troubles come and the adversaries come and the trouble comes so often and you are stronger in your praise than any other way when you confront the enemy. It is your stronghold. It is your place of strength. You declare who you are so the enemy will know who they're dealing with. This song includes a declaration of who we are in God, his people, giving him praise. Because the enemy needs to know. And when you declare who you are, the enemy shakes in his boots. You resist the devil with praise and he will flee from you. Declare who you are. Number three, speak the truth. This song says both the horse and driver he is hurled into the sea. There is this powerful image of something no man on earth could do, taking a horse and a chariot and a driver and throwing them into the sea. 
But that's what our great God did. The Israelites sang as the Egyptians choked in the waters of the Red Sea. God took them and he threw the horse and the rider and the chariot into the sea. He's a great and awesome God and nothing is too hard for him. And we speak the truth as we give him praise. God is majestic in power. He orchestrated the entire scene as the Egyptian army died. Pharaoh was the enemy of God, not just the enemy of Israel. It became clear in the exchange between Moses and Pharaoh that Pharaoh was opposing not only Moses, but also God. So you speak the truth that you know in your heart, no matter who comes at you about it. Peter and John have seen something and heard something, and they are talking about it. They have seen and heard the risen Christ. They have seen the empty tomb. They have heard him speak, and they know what they're talking about. We cannot help but speak the things that we have seen and heard, they said. The authorities who killed Jesus, who took him to the Roman authorities and coerced Pilate into an execution. These authorities are now cornering Peter and John, and they want them to stop talking about Jesus. They know this lame man is healed, but they don't want this virus to spread any further. And so we've got to silence these people. And so they call them before the authorities. They look at them. They realize these are just ordinary guys, really poorly educated, got that Galilean accent from the backwoods. I mean, who are they anyway? They took note of them when they saw them that they'd been with Jesus, though. And when they confronted him with the choice, we want you to stop talking about Jesus, they said, you just tell us whether it's better to obey men or God. We can't help but speak these things. We've got to obey God. And that's who we are. We are people who speak the truth in love. Because we've got to obey God. He is our authority. And it's part of our praise unto him to say the way things are. So speak the truth in your praise. Praise does not avoid the facts of the case. It is not a denial of the way things are. Praise is not pie in the sky by and by when we die. Praise is anchored in the reality of things as they are with faith and hope that God is at work in the midst of it all, and he is. Jesus said, my father is at work to this very day, and I too am working. And what the father does, that's what I do. What the Father says, that's what I say. And I would say to you, the Father is at work to this very day. And we joined him in his work, as Henry Blackaby taught us so well. Number four, embrace the future. I can't read this song without thinking about how full of faith and power it is. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. I have no doubt, the singer is saying, that you're going to be with me all my days. You're going to travel with me into whatever the future may hold. It may be difficult. It may be tough. I don't know what lies out there, but your unfailing love is going to be with me. The Christian position about the condition of the world is... 
Jesus is coming. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's it. This is good news. God has the whole world in his hands. And he is bringing human history to its proper conclusion in Christ, who is the summation of all things. That's what is going on in this world. And so I stand in my moment, in my day, maybe sometimes perplexed, not for sure knowing how things are going to come, but I stand also confident in the God who made me and loved me and called me to himself through his very own son. He who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not also freely give us all things? He gave us his son, Jesus. He's not going to withhold any good thing from us. It is the Christian position to receive this day as the day the Lord has made and to rejoice and be glad in it. That's what we do. That's who we are. It's what we believe. It is the path of our faith. And the joy of the Lord is the strength of his people. Amen? Amen. There's nothing more powerful than a joyful saint. The joy of the Lord carries us through the times of trouble. Trust him in this moment and embrace the future. If you're trembling about the future, if you're discouraged, in despair, and depressed about the condition of your life or the condition of the world, I want you to hear this song and put it in your heart. Here are four praises to God that I want you to make as a follower of Jesus. Number one, God, your love never fails. That's a confession of praise. The song says, in your unfailing love. That's how it says it. So I want you to confess, God, your love never fails. Isn't that good? Isn't that a good word? The young people asked me, one of them did, are you here? What's your favorite song? Who asked me that in the Q&A at camp? One of you asked me, who's your favorite song? And I, didn't I tell you, your love never fails? That was my first one, right? And the other one was, in Christ alone. I love your love never fails. <laughs> the song. Are we going to sing it in a minute, Tim? All right. All right. Putting you on the spot here. <laughs> God, your love never fails. Number two. God your leadership is forever. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. I'm trusting you, God, though I can't see the future, that you're going to lead me. And here's what I want, Lord, the next step. I don't need to know the whole path. Just the next step. God, your love never fails. God, your leadership is forever. God, your strength will help me through. The text says, in your strength, you will guide them. God, your strength will help me through. When we give our praise unto God, 
we are trusting him for the strength we need for the next step and the next day. We're not relying on our own strength. We're not thinking that we're smart enough, strong enough, wise enough, capable enough, or talented enough to do this on our own. We are trusting in God and Him alone. And the fourth confession is, Lord, your holy dwelling is my future. That's my future. My future is tied up with the God who made me and loved me and called me to Himself through Jesus. I have a great future, and you do too, as a child of God, a child of the King. It's who you are. It's what you celebrate. It's how you give him praise, even in the midst of the trouble. The word of praise is the word of faith. It speaks into being what is true at all times. It is the evidence of things not seen. So, Lord, we praise you. Bow with me, please. If you've never trusted Jesus as Savior, that's a beginning point. To give him praise and honor and glory. To acknowledge the wonderful gift of Jesus who died on the cross for your sin, rose again the third day, and lives forever. If you already know him, to just trust him. Trust him enough to give him praise this day, despite what may be around you. Thank you, God, for the gift of praise. Use it in our lives to strengthen us, to help us get a right perspective, to clear our vision, to move us forward in your way. In Jesus' name we pray.